Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hello, I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to a very special episode of Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. A few weeks ago, we went to Brands Hatch to look back at my story of my 1988 crash. Today, we're at Donington Park to chat to Billy about the moment nearly six years ago to the day that changed his life forever. So, Billy, here we are back at Donington. Yeah. We're in the paddock at the back of the back of the garages where all the cars are they've got a track day actually going on yeah we've got a little track day action out at there at the moment we? which is pretty cool but it's it's always nice coming back it's got a lovely vibe hasn't it Donington yeah I love this place like I say the, the paddock and stuff it's good to see a racing track with you know people laughing and having a joke and yeah. cars out there you know the sound of an engine running that's that's what you want to hear from a racetrack isn't it you do look at that it's a Ford Angular yeah. Look at that. That is something old else school to see. Very old mate. school, yeah, pretty much so. Maybe that'll start to fly. <laughs> <laughs> As it did. Anyway, so this is where all sort of our younger racing car career started. Karting's where it all be- began. Mine started going on holiday in Cornwall and my uncle running the go-kart track and that's how I got hooked. How did, you, how did you get hooked? Okay, so mine's maybe a little bit different. Obviously, it's karting as well. Like karting, like you say, it's basically the way nine out of ten people get into motorsport, isn't it? Yep. They have a go at go-kart and decide they love it. Yep. Next thing you know, they've been racing for 15 years. That, <laughs> that feels like the, the usual story. Um, so we did a few things on holiday when I was maybe like five years old. My dad drove, it was like a two-seater go-kart. My dad ended up driving me around in that. So I've got a picture up at home on my wall with us two in that. And he was driving and I obviously wasn't interested because I wasn't driving. How old were you then? How old maybe you? about five years old. About five, yeah. yeah. I was about six, I think, six. Yeah, and I think the first time I actually raced or like actually drove a go-kart properly myself was when I was six. So I think I was, yeah, about six years old and it was at a track near me in sort of Croydon Way. And it was basically a little circle with a chicane in it yeah and when i started my dad used to run around the track in front of me i was that slow <laughs> and he's not exactly mo Farah or anything like that is he so that no. kind of you know that that sums it up really that's i was going around at walking pace yeah or maybe a slight jog um and he would basically run around in front of me to and i would just basically be sat there just trying to follow him along and then cut to you know a few years later i was racing three weekends a month um on the sort of circuits near me in the kent area so yeah. butmore park bayford meadows lid those were like my three regular tracks um that we'd do yeah you know, like i say both on different weekends and i'd have one weekend off yeah, yeah. seven eight and then quite quickly that weekend off wasn't the weekend off because i'd be testing here there and everywhere sure, is that anything in the family because there was nothing in my family about motorsport so my motorsport connection is through my dad so my dad was the one who got me a go-kart he actually bought me 
a go-kart when I was two years old. Good man, like yeah. it, yes. So I remember him telling me the story <laughs> about when he first bought me the go-kart and um, he said he went to the guy, said, oh, yeah, I've bought it for my son and they put the cart in the back of the van and he said, oh, where is your son? Is he here? And he went, yeah, he's in the front and I was there in like a you know pumped up like the kids seat and stuff like that two years old yeah. and the guy sort of looked at the window double take he can't drive that you've got to be at least six years old as <laughs> so you can drive this so i think that kind of shows how keen my dad was for me uh, to he, was keen, yes. he was keen so he bought it when i was two <laughs> and then yeah like i say a few years later i actually got to drive it myself right what about cars the jump from cart carting to cars carting then. to cars that happened when i was 14 years old um so I was, 14. yeah, fourteen because wow. Janetta Juniors was my first entry level into car racing. Oh, I was yeah, I was so yeah. Late. So when I was fourteen years old, I took part in the Janetta Junior scholarship. Yeah, and yeah, enjoyed that a lot. And then the next year, I was like, we were at the stage where I was like, yeah, I think car racing could be on the the cards here. So me, it was me and my dad. My dad was running me when we first started. Yeah. So there was Same as we me, weren't yeah. part of a big team, which is quite quickly we found quite important in car racing <laughs> you know dad and lad can last for a certain while but then yeah. eventually you know it kind of runs out and you have to get a team involved that with professionals so the next second year or the end of the first year slash second year of genetic juniors that's when dad kind of took a, a step back and uh, yeah i guess my car racing career really took off if, yeah if you know what i mean so when did you decide i guess it was f1 there was always the goal for F1. Mine, I remember going to Brands Hatch, yeah. 1975, I think it was, or 76. And then that's where I thought, that's what I want to do. So I was about, I was about eight, I think, nine. Um, do you know what, for me, I, remember, I actually remember the race vividly where I thought I want to be a Formula One driver. And that was Brazil. 2008 Lewis Hamilton winning the world championship oh, right, with Felipe okay. Massa I remember yeah. being at home and I'd obviously watched Formula 1 the whole season in 2008 like it wasn't like a new thing to me I was loving it but when you were racing at weekends yourself you know sometimes you weren't watching it because you were you know too busy in doing go-karting and being at the track but remember that weekend it was the end of obviously the championship running with Lewis and Felipe and I remember being at home jumping up and down on my sofa with my dad going like one minute my head was in my hands next thing you know I was celebrating for joy yeah. jumping for joy and I remember being there after that race unfolded Lewis winning it almost sitting down in like a pile of emotions at the end of that race as an 8 year old going I want to do that one day I want to be a Formula 1 driver so that's what really like sparked it for me and Lewis was he your man he was was he yeah he was he was my man and that's because when I you know was taking an interest in racing in general and F1 and he was the new kid on the block the British driver who yeah. was doing well so it was almost like the, the perfect role model for me of going you know it, it's possible you know to see a Brit doing well in Formula 1 he was you know the person that I wanted to, to replicate and I wanted to right. be, made me want to be a Formula 1 driver yeah I, I, I was Gilles Villeneuve somebody Gilles Villeneuve. who sadly we never saw him sort of achieve that world championship when he lost his, his life sadly in, yeah. uh, in uh, Zolder but I just loved what he was about it didn't matter if he had four wheels on his car two or three he would still drive it absolutely flat out the whole time he was for me just excited there was a wow factor yeah. about Gilles and I think it was the wow factor that really got me sort of hooked yeah. on Formula 1 so, so cars you know mine is karting Formula Ford then Formula 3 where was your sort of point where you went this is something that I I want to do um, yeah me. so like I said I made that step into cars with Jeanette Juniors and that was you know for a typical route to Formula 1 now it's pro- you know some of the F1 drivers have done it but equally some go straight into single seaters yeah well Lando's proof La- put in with that one yeah well yeah Lando did a bit, bit of Genetta bit of Genetta as well yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, his track record is you know suggests that it can work for people mm-hmm. but at that stage you know I, I wasn't from a super super wealthy family so and that is one of the things in motorsport is you know you've got to have the backing to be able to get on the track and prove what you can do Yeah. so I'd say in those genetic junior days there was part of me that thought you know maybe maybe Formula 1 isn't on the cards from a financial point of view but I was going to that was always my goal so if I, being a professional racing driver would, was the, was plan B but being a Formula 1 driver was the ultimate goal the ultimate dream that I still chased and then um, then after Janetta Juniors made the step into F4 had a debut season which had a few podiums and stuff like that showed a lot of potential and then moved up and then stayed in F4 for the second year but the, with the goal and the expectations moving to trying to win the championship because we ended the first season so strongly I was like right next year that's the year we're going to win the championship 
and then obviously my accident happened so that kind of yeah. you know dictated things a little bit slipped slightly yeah <laughs> yeah slightly and then the year after that was in British F3 so I made a step up in category which is what I was if I'd won the championship or I've been at the front that's what I would have planned to do anyway so that was part of my logic behind doing it was I want to carry my career trajectory off as if that you know the accident shouldn't affect it as such you know yeah. I missed out on a few races during the year but I'd still got myself to a skill level where I was competing for wins in Formula 4 so why couldn't that be wins and podiums in Formula 3 yeah, so we, we've mentioned it before about my reconnection with karting. Reconnection. Uh, you're going to come along and have a, oh, have mate, a go I'm, with me? Yeah, yeah? I love you it. Up for that? I love it. I've done a little bit of higher karting, but I've not done proper well, we karting. Do a bit of high, we do a bit of high karting as well. It's actually more fun. There's a bit more rubbing, bit rubbing more, going on, isn't there? Yeah, we get that. a little bit more angry with each yeah, other. Yeah, funny enough, I actually did that, did that with um, Nick Hamilton, with Lewis's oh, brother. Right, yeah, 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 so we did it. He and me and him have the same... Um, I was tra- doing some training for a comic relief challenge and we used the same physio. So we would basically go as a group and we'd all have a laugh in it on an evening up at Rye House. So that was our, our little spot. So yeah, definitely I've done a bit of high cutting, but yeah, we want to get into some proper bits of kit as well. Yeah. No true. engine excuses. Oh, wait, oh, no, excuses. No, no, no. We'll be, oh, there'd be we'll, some excuses. No, no, we'll be, balanced, we'll be balanced out with the way the engines will be, you know, out of box. Billy, you have not, Billy, you have not seen my book of issues that do come up in the racing world. A lot, world. Of lot of excuses. Very, very thick book. Don't so, worry, I'm sat here now all confident, but if I, if you somehow beat me, they'll, I'll you find can some learn. excuses You too. can learn from me, <laughs> that's for sure. Off, yeah. yeah, I know, exactly. Right, we've done the paddock. We've got a bit of track track uh, driving going on at the present time, but let's go and pop back into the office. Oh, let's the pop office. inside. Let's have a look at YouTube and your crash that you had here back in 2017. Yeah, that's the place you'll find it. You got it. So Billy, we've just nipped inside for a little look at uh, a little video that's going to be playing in a sec. 16th of April, yeah, 2017. Rings a bell. It certainly re- it's going to ring a bell in a minute. <laughs> it's going to be a, a whoa when it starts playing. But this is obviously your, your crash, crash that you here, had yeah. here. Yeah, a few years is, ago now. It is an unbelievable monster of a crash. Yeah, I didn't as do well. Half No, you mate. didn't. So, well, let's play it. Because obviously it was a little bit damp, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit more. slicks in the rain, damp, um, which I, I love those conditions, to be fair. You can see there, just at the, the start of the clip, managed yeah. to get past someone at the corner before, and then coming out of old hairpin up the hill, just blind Bang. to what's, what's going on scary. in front of me. It's scary, because it just literally does appear. A you, car that yeah. is rolling backwards. Rolled in slightly backwards. Yeah. Like I said, it was slicks in the wet, and it's he'd coming in front of spun us. off at this part of the racetrack, and... Um, yeah, and st- and stall the car and was like rolling back down the hill. Oh, blimey, that. yeah. It's Billy Munger having a look through past this Jamie Sharp goes through on the inside line, so up into 13th place. You can see they're all scrabbling around for grip. Oh, 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 no. oh, that's horrendous. That's absolutely enormous. He just couldn't see him. Pasma's obviously either broken down or something. Oh, that's awful. I've seen this loads of yeah. times, and people might be watching I've my reaction, it. being like, "Oh, why am I just sat here, kind of just talking about <laughs> you are it?" I'm quite chilled. I'm quite chilled With about a smile it. On your face. It's generally because it happened that quick at yeah. the time that yeah. I literally had no recollection of what happened. So this, uh, the fact that the onboard camera was on me for that weekend, was my only opportunity to sort of, you know, look back at the crash and realise what went on, what happened. And for me, it was quite good. To look at it and go, I couldn't have really done anything to avoid no. it. It was just a sort of freak accident. No, no, no. David. But when you look at it, do you go sort of, how, how did I survive that? Oh, it's hard to say that because I'm sat here next to you, mate. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I definitely survived it. But I, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 like I say, for me, I don't know if it's. It might be weird, but it kind of. I don't like. It's weird. I don't like connect to watching it as such because. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but I could, probably because I've watched it so many times that, like, it's kind of like I've I feel like I've moved on from it. But yeah, watching it, you, I, even I can sort of sit here and go, yeah, it was a big one. Oh no, no, massively. So, do you remember anything afterwards? After the crash, yeah, yeah I remember. So like I say, that. it's a bit patchy. Like, obviously, because that happened so quick, I didn't actually remember the incident itself. But I remember everything sort of coming to a rest, like the cars coming to a stop afterwards, and it's probably maybe like probably 10, 15 minutes or so after the accident because I was awake through for it all that like my memory goes a bit patchy probably when they injected me with some of the good stuff to, yeah, sure. to calm the pain down sure, a little sure. bit. But with that, 
you remember Bonnie yeah. turning up? Because obviously Bonnie was there, your sister, mm-hmm. very quick, actually, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. It felt really quick, like I say, because those initial moments, everything was kind of happening quite quickly around me. I remember sort of, like I say, everything coming to a rest. Then you started to see doctors around you and stuff like that, yeah. and medics. I remember cutting them, my fireproofs, like, top off me and stuff, and sort of, you know, starting putting bits and pieces um, all over me in terms of, like check my vitals and all that kind of stuff and the yeah. next thing you know my sister's head just appears next to the car and she's right. saying you're right bill and like basically there to reassure me and i again i've never really asked her because it i don't like to talk yeah. to my sister and my mom and dad about it because you know obviously that they were having to go through it in a different sense than me but i don't know what impression she had of how bad it was at that time but she was just really good in being there reassuring me everything's gonna be all, all cool sort of thing you're gonna be all right and yeah which was was really nice to have. Yeah. Um, what about getting to hospital? What's your first recollection of, of um, getting there? Mine was still, I think, before. Yeah, I think I mentioned it before I had the operation. Do you remember anything? No. So they put me, in order to get me out of the car, once they realised the extent of the damages and how complicated that procedure was going to be, they basically went, he, you're not going to be awake for this. So they put me into an induced coma whilst I was still in the car. Okay. So that basically knocked me out completely separated the cars got me out in the air ambulance straight all the way to or pretty much all the way to hospital but at the time the hospital I went to Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham it didn't have a helipad on it so I got airlifted just down the road then put into the back of an ambulance <laughs> right. and driven the rest of the way there so after after my crash I tried to raise a bit of money to get a, a helipad on the hospital because I thought that cool. could have been quite convenient nice. yeah, very uh, nice, so. if, if that was the case for me but like I said, I don't remember any of that. I think then my first recollection is that was on the Sunday afternoon that happened and it was probably the Wednesday afterwards. Oh, right, okay, yes. So I was out for a, f- a few days and like I say, when I came round, it, as much as I was awake, I wasn't in the room, Mary. I was <laughs> in no. a whole different planet with all this morphine and medication sure. and stuff, like seeing all sorts of weird dreams and stuff like that. But that was the first sort of time I came around and was able to sort of communicate with my mum and dad and the first thing I did which I still don't believe that I did but my mum and dad they they always say I do but they said the first thing I did I asked for a pen I sort of like signaled for a pen and I scribbled in terrible handwriting who won the race (laughs) on a piece of paper which now I sit here now and go what an idiot who you think why would you care about who won the race but it's just how we're wired that's funny how we're wired yes exactly because remember I said when I was in there it's the spare car ready yeah and it was like your really. well we were talking again in in our in our pod that we we talk about live the lid we talk about sort of the men the mental side of of drivers and how they have to sort of you know really sort of watch what they do from uh, the mental side when they when they go on the beach to then switch on when they yeah. go to the racetrack but we're always wired to be alert of what we love to do yeah and it, it just doesn't seem to sort of disappear from our from our heads even yeah. in a traumatic situation because obviously in my in. head that all went on for like 45 minutes i think it took for them to get me out of the car but yeah. i just assumed that the race would get probably restarted and they'd crack on but in the end i think that they classified the result yeah from that lap and i think they awarded half points from memory so yeah but yeah that's just like say how we're by that that's where i was thinking i was thinking who won the race yeah doesn't seem that important now but no, at the time. Not at that's all. How, yeah, that's how I was thinking. Yeah, and going, going back to it, so you mentioned it, and I didn't quite realise, of course, of course, the cars were stuck yeah. together. Yeah. But how far did the gearbox, I suppose it was the gearbox, yeah. come into your car? I don't your cars. generally you aware? know. No, I, I know, obviously, you know, because it's hard from even being sat in the cockpit, you can't really see it yourself, can you? You can't see, like, no. down where your toes and your feet are. So I just knew that coming around after the accident like when everything kind of came to a halt i knew my knees were all of a sudden they were like bunched up right by my face so like i knew that my legs had been given a whack towards me so it it must have come in a fair bit but yeah like you said the cars were stuck together so that was the main main focus there was a period of time that i remember where they were trying to cut the carbon fiber on the top of the cockpit so see if they could extract me by literally cutting the car almost in half Mm. and you know, peeling the carbon fibre out of the way, but yeah. they didn't have the, the right stuff to get through thick, thick carbon fibre, which is what those F4 cars were uh, built with. So in in the end, there was some safety modifications made to F4 cars after my accident to kind of 
stop what happened to me happening. Right, yeah. In terms of being able to pierce the the, the cockpit and stuff like that. But yeah, they tried for a little while to do to cut me out that way and then eventually they were like, we're going to have to literally just pull them apart sort of thing. So yeah, from memory, that was how it all went down. Yeah, and to, to just one thing, because obviously when if people watch the video itself, your head really goes so far forward, actually hits the steering wheel. Tell us a little bit about the... The yeah, bu- the, the buttons, the buttons, on your helmet. yeah, the buttons on the the steering wheel, and the the impression they left yeah. on my visor in my helmet. Basically, obviously, as you can imagine, I hit them with going about 120 mile an hour, so yeah. it was some force. I think I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I feel like it was ne- like nearly 50 g's going through through my body wow. at at impact. So yeah, it was a fairly hefty one, but <laughs> say the least. I yeah. um. Yeah, I obviously saw my helmet and stuff like that, got that back after the accident, obviously with the big voided sticker. That if you don't know when you have like an accident and you have any damage to your helmet, they, they have the sticker that allows you to use that helmet for driving. That quite quickly gets voided. But the rest of the helmet, there was obviously a big crack and it was made, my helmet was made out of carbon fiber. There was cracks all in the carbon fiber. Yeah. But on the visor, I couldn't quite initially work out what happened at first. I was looking at the visor and there was sort of small circles on the on the visor, like through the visor strip I had at the top. And I was wondering, what is that? And then from seeing the, the accident back, realizing that my head actually hits the steering wheel, I was like, that's the buttons on the steering wheel. So wow. I was able to sort of pinpoint exactly how my head had hit <laughs> yes. the steering wheel. But yeah, I've still got that helmet in a in a frame at home with all my other ones from when I started. But yeah, that's uh, it's got some... It's a little bit different to when it was first designed yes. when it was my baby. It's had a bit of an impact since. <laughs> still got it. Yeah, I'm sure, still got it. Yeah, exactly. One other thing as well is when we're in the, the you're, in, you're in the hospital uh, itself, did you ever sort of think, that's it, no more racing? I don't think really when I was in the hospital, I, I ever kind of thought like that. I'd say maybe when I was actually in the car after the accident and, you know, I could see the doctor's reactions and stuff like that. Maybe I was thinking, okay, this is clearly a big one and I don't know whether I'm going to... Well, to be honest, at the time, I didn't know know if I was going to survive. So it was more (laughs) like when you don't know if you're going to survive or not, you don't really think if you're going to race again or not. Uh, No, not at that point. Not at that point. (laughs) But when I was in the hospital afterwards, I was lucky that I had loads of people around me from from day one. Obviously, you came down and, and... we met for the first time and that's how you know our relationship started but yeah because I always had people around me and a lot of them were in the motorsport world they were always we eventually was talking about motorsport and it was always something that was in conversation and it was always a positive conversation yeah it was never never no one ever turned up and went oh racing like should I mention it because probably Billy's not gonna be able to race again they we'd just talk about it so that's where the whole idea of me going back to racing kind of started from it was like, well, yeah, why can't I? A couple of people mentioned like Alex and yeah, the rest is history really. Just sort of decided that if it's possible, I'm going to have a go at doing it. Yeah. So again, it just shows how important it is for conversations to, to continue, isn't it? Yeah. Again, these conversations I know with, with some drivers yeah. as well. <clears throat> I think that's why I was sat there wallowing in self-pity, thinking, why me, why me? And I didn't have some people around me. You know, maybe those thoughts would have entered my head. But the fact that everyone that I had around me was so supportive and positive, it was just like in my head. I didn't even question, like, will I or won't I? I was like, if it's possible, I'm going to have a go at doing it. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's fascinating listening to this you know because it was unbelievable when you watch the footage those who haven't seen it should should watch it but uh billy whiz yeah still here fighting fit uh, it certainly was so should we go and have a have a look i think we should mate yeah? we should, exactly uh, where it happened on, on the, the circuit. circuit yeah i think i can pinpoint it down i from think memory. yeah yeah if you need a bit of help i think i've got a bit of an idea where it oh, was right, okay. as well i think <laughs> now i've seen that video that's for sure so yeah let's go and have a look let's do it There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Come to the sort of the backside of the backside of the circuit. So we've got yeah. the old hairpin right yeah. at the bottom of the hill. And then we've yeah. got Starkey's Bridge. Starkey's Bridge. Didn't even know that corner had a name because it's it's a little kink in reality. It is it's a kink. Well, it's a bit out. of a straight here-ish, I y- guess. Yeah, sort of this is where it all kicked off, mate, on this little yeah. straight here. Hopefully you can kind of see the, like, the actual fact that it's on a hill here because sometimes it's hard to see from the onboards and stuff yeah well, well again if i go down on my knees oh you can you can stay on, up mate. you can you stay up a question or what? no no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i'm not no i'm not but when you see the view because it's actually you forget how steep this is yeah it's it doesn't feel like you say no, it's a straight it's flat, so in, and it's it, when flat. you're in the car you don't feel it but you know and you don't really see it from the onboards either. It's not until you come out here you realise the undulation of this place. No, not at all. That's what makes me love it, though, the yeah, circuit. Yeah, yeah. But let's go back to the beginning of the day yeah. on that Sunday. How yeah, were your feelings turning up to the circuit? Because you start, you were going to start 7th. I was going to start 7th. So we had a race. So qualifying, from memory, wasn't amazing. Um, so, like I say, P7 was kind of all right, but I was aiming to win the championship that year in F4, yeah. so like it's not where I wanted to be. The first... Uh, race was on the Saturday afternoon. We had three races across the weekend, and yeah. I actually went from seventh to third. Actually, did a pretty ballsy overtake on this section of the track. Curve. Went right around the outside of about two cars. I think it was three wide going through this kink here, up the inside, and yeah, I ended up finishing third. So I went from seventh to third in the first lap. So I was confident that you know we were at slightly out of position for our pace, yeah. and that I could, if I could get back in the mix for a, hopefully another podium, sort of damage limitation sort of weekend when you're not where you want to be. But the Sunday, so like I say, the Sunday morning, I was just hoping to do more of the same in terms of just focus on going forward, making up places. It was any other race day, really. So get back into the cockpit. Back into the cockpit, Sunday. yeah, into the cockpit. And off we go. Off we go. Start. start. Went really badly. Right. My actual launch was really good. I think I was up to about fifth just on the run into Redgate Turn 1, yeah. and then the front two or i think it might have been second and third came together and i had to sort of spin out the way to avoid uh, them yeah so basically i spun off with um my best mate jamie who was starting on the front row and the guy who he came together with so it was like three of sort of i guess the front runners that were out like out if position after the first corner and then, then at that point it was just like nothing to lose sort yeah, of absolutely. mentality mm-hmm. you know you've just got to make the places like you've got to get back as quick as you can so i remember just being on on a mission and i Cause think because this is a track you can overtake you can in those overtake. tricky conditions yeah tricky it? conditions it's nice and wide fast flowing so you know you can make a difference here yeah and you can overtake and i was definitely uh yeah making overtakes i think actually the corner before my accident through old hairpin yeah i did the switch back coming out of old hairpin and got past the car literally before my crash i and that kind of highlights that you know i was making progress well do let's go to the old hairpin then yeah on the lap on the lap so take us from the old hairpin it's what i don't know five six hundred meters sort of behind us yeah so yeah take it away yeah so like i say it was at that point it was just all about making progress so i remember going into old hairpin and the the car in front of me was on a slightly tighter line he went a little bit wide coming down through cascade so i was yeah. positioned myself right out to the left hand side ready to get the switch back which i managed to do come out of out of um old hairpin through the kink here and up the straight and i was on the outside and i had about two probably a, maybe a car's width gap and i had two cars that were running almost side by side, side, by side, side. coming yeah. up the hill yeah and i think that's for me when you look back on the crash or now i can that was like the thing that sort of made me not able to avoid the incident because i didn't have any view of the stationary car that was no, further up on the no. ahead of me on the road because you've got those two cars side by side and you're so low and you've got this 
coming up this hill, all those sort of factors came together and that meant that one i couldn't see the car that was stationary and two i didn't have time to react because well, they avoid they avoided him very late as well yeah that's exactly honest. it yeah. it was the, because they were side by side battling obviously they were maybe looking at each other next thing you know see the car in front last minute they both dive out the way and i'm presented with this car yeah that's actually started rolling backwards towards me as i'm doing 120 mile an hour in top gear up the hill here and uh, yeah big crash followed it's, quite quickly it's certainly dead i'll tell you what we are so so lucky i think you're lucky as well yeah we're so lucky because you had the on board i did have the on-board there camera. was no other filming going on yeah on it's it's, it's just pure coincidence yeah. that as well because the first i can't remember who had it the first weekend at brands Hatch, but it was round two of the championship well in terms of the season there was 10 rounds so it was early on in the season but like I said I was one of the main contenders for the championship so you know when they said oh we're going to put the onboard on your car for this weekend it didn't really surprise me because you know I, I, they knew I'd probably be in the thick of, of the action maybe not to the extent <laughs> I was no. and in the way that I was but that, that's just obviously the thought process and the luck that was there so that you know when I had my accident obviously it was broadcast on ITV4 live on TV for everyone at home to watch which i can't imagine was nice for a lot of people i imagine a lot of people were like oh god that was like a big one sort of thing yeah it but was yeah. just to just confirm. To, just to confirm, just confirm yeah. it was yes exactly yeah but when you when we look at it and everyone else when they finally look at the footage itself it's just how quick the car appears and then how quickly you are basically ramming it up the up the back yeah because that it, it's there's no time to avoid anything no there? you can see on the on the onboard when i've watched it back i've watched it a lot of times i did in hospital i spent yeah. a lot of time watching it because it happened that quick at the time that i generally didn't know what had happened yeah like it was just like bang and it was done i knew there was a car there then all of a sudden i wake up three days later yeah. so that's what it <laughs> sure. felt like to me in a lot of ways <laughs> so watching it back on youtube because i had the onboard camera was a way for me to sort of deal with the situation and understand what went on understand probably like in a weird way if there was anything I could have done differently because you know you're in that situation and I'm I was just purely viewing it as a driver still and going you know could I have should I have gone right rather than left try to go left and you look at it and by the time I even started putting the smallest steering input I was already making contact so there was no time to to react it was just a freak accident sort of one of those things wrong place wrong time really yeah very very much so with my crash I always look back at it and go yeah, that was a good one. Do you look at your horse in that in that sort of weird, wide Johnny Herbert way? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, like I say, I watched it a lot after my accident, but then mm. since then, I can't think of the last time I watched it. Probably, it's got to be four, four years ago since I watched it. I only watch it if it ever pops up on the screen, you know, if I'm doing an, making an appearance or doing yeah. whatever it is and someone decides to run the video, then I'll see it that way, but I, I don't watch it off my own back anymore because i've like i said i watched it so much in hospital when it happened but yeah it it was definitely a big one you can see that and it, it only i only have to watch it once again to go oh yeah you did well to come out of that the other side really and yeah. be in the position i am and i think it's it's difficult for us to explain sometimes when something has, has happened like that to us as traumatic as it was at the time but it's how we actually sort of just dismiss it and carry on our lives in a in a normal way because that's sort of really how we've dealt with it we haven't really gone into this oh woe is me or oh i wish that hadn't happened it's that well that's it happened. Yeah, that way. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, you could exactly. do anything about that. Yeah, there was nothing I could could have done, and I think that's why actually watching it in hospital was really important for me. To when I kind of I took ownership over watching it and yeah. sort of you know figuring out what was what, and when I realised that as a, from a driver's point of view there was nothing I could have done differently to avoid it. In my head, it kind of almost gave me that clarity of you know it's done now you couldn't have done anything differently you know i'm not sit, sitting there mulling it over going oh why didn't i you know do this or do that yeah. it was like oh well well that's happened now what's next sort of yeah. sort of thing and that was I, I look at it actually watching it and think that was probably one of the best things i could have done for my mental recovery and dealing with it sort of that whole process yeah and I, I think that's an important thing isn't it the mental side of it is something that you have to deal with it but it's how you deal with it and how you move on but the positives that you're talking about there has enabled you to carry on to win races in formula three but also now doing your punditry for for channel four as well and it's important that you have the right attitude after something like that yeah i think as well 
it, it may sound silly, but I love this place, like this circuit. You know, it was one of my favourites as a driver. So, you know, a lot of people like ask me like when I've like come back and raced here since and stuff like that. Like, what do you kind of do? You have like bad memories attached to this place, and yeah, equally this is this was a tough time for me and something that I look back on and go, like obviously you know it's a, a huge moment in my life, but. Yeah. I love this place. I had so many good memories here, you know, been on the podium in multiple categories and my my return to to racing in British F3, the pre-season testing was here. So yeah. before I'd even started the full race season when I was literally probably a month into driving the car in a completely new manner, you know, with new controls, new systems, everything like that and a step up in performance, I was back here. And I think again that was another thing that was good for me because it was like, mm. right, well, it's nothing to do with the circuit you know don't that doesn't hold any ownership over my thing it could have happened anywhere any any part of any circuit it was just a freak accident and i love this place and thank god that that same positivity when i come to donington is still here now like being here now all i'm thinking about is i'd love to be out on circuit just you know hacking around in something insanely quick you know, yeah this place just gets that out of me yeah and i still have the same with brands i don't go there i'm not scared about brands at all i thoroughly enjoy it as much as i did before i had my crash so it's the same thing one thing i want to i want to pick up on is obviously when i came to see you in in hospital and through the crash that i'd had at brands hatch i remember when i sort of woke up i think for about 30 seconds intensive care i didn't sort of i i think i realized my feet were still on but i hadn't really taken note that they were still there at the end of the bed and then i remember went into the operation uh, operated theater had the operation came out <clears throat> and then opening my eyes for the first time then realizing my feet were there the one thing i remember when i came to see you was you sitting in bed but the sheets were just flat yeah because your legs weren't there that impression is so such a powerful thing for me because of everything that you've gone through a little bit of what i've gone through but in a completely different way what about when you first realized looking down i think that that yeah thing? that moment you know like you say when you be afraid when you say it like that it you know you would think there'd be a huge shock factor yeah. that's attached to me waking up in hospital three days after the accident and looking down like you say and seeing a flat sheet and realizing you know that you know my legs have been amputated and that that is the reality of my situation but i think my memory of the accident the fact i was awake for about 45 minutes after the crash there was even though i wasn't like looking at every detail of what was going on around with me i still think subconsciously you take a lot of that info in like i remember you know you see the doctor's faces the the panic sort of setting in with them like this is a big one like how do we deal with this situation then obviously the medics coming taking my cutting my overalls off and giving me medication this that and the other and just from naturally being a racing driver and being in the cockpit all the time seeing where my legs ended up you know my knees were a lot closer to my like my upper body than they would usually be if i was in the cockpit normally is, is you'd that because you more... had another car in yeah, the cockpit with you? The... <laughs> yeah there, there was there was two of us in there as such. yeah there was um obviously when i hit the back of the car in front of me the gearbox and all the back end of that ended up where my legs were which was what caused the damage to me and then that process you know i was all bunched up in the car and because you're in a single seater the cockpit's really low and you're really it's really tight so it's not like i was in you know, a peering my head down there going oh <laughs> god damn like there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there that shouldn't be i wasn't able to really do that but i could tell that you know some damage had been done you you could never put that there's i don't think there would have been any point in my childhood okay. or the life up until then where i would have thought about being an amputee or anything like that like with the in terms of the pain i didn't have any pain mm. i don't know if it was the same for you yeah, but same for me it's that yeah. adrenaline from driving the car it all comes to a halt and it all happened so quick that yeah. you know uh, that adrenaline was ru- rushing through me and i didn't feel any pain no, that's the weird thing mm. yeah, I was exactly it is the weird same. there is no pain at all not it, an ache nothing yeah. absolutely nothing and in fact the car that i hit that was stationary i could hear him screaming where i'd hit the back of him so when wow. the medics came over to me the yeah. first thing i said to them was go see him i'm fine i was almost literally ready to undo my belts mate jump out the car that's that's how i felt yeah i felt like i say completely fine obviously glad i didn't try and do <laughs> something like that because probably would have done myself even more damage <laughs> very positively oh, i don't yes. think i would have got very far <laughs> <laughs> no pretty much so yeah. but yeah yeah that sort of hospital time is something that i think the way we're wired it allows us to sort of get through that 
difficult time because it's you're still in the healing process at that point yeah. because obviously it's still pretty much raw uh, on the legs yeah. so, as it was in I my think ankles. as a racing driver you know that there <clears throat> yeah. is an element of danger to what you're doing you're of not course. you're not like completely oblivious to that fact like when i was in go-karts when i was nine years old ten years old i'd like broken bones in my arm when i flipped the go-kart and stuff like that so i'd yeah. had like crashes before that had you know done me a bit of damage so i think like you say there's part of our wiring as racing drivers where you're kind of aware there's risks attached to what you're doing but you don't think about when you're driving you that's part of what makes you love it because of that adrenaline rush it does give you but yeah no obviously this one was a there was more damage attached to it but i think the fact that i'd had crashes in my career up until that point in some way probably helped the fact i was i dealt with adversity in that sense before i dealt with you know after the first race of the British Championships in go-karting, I won the first race, went to the pub with my dad on the on the Monday evening and was showing off to him on like a swing set outside, fell off a swing, broke my arm. <laughs> then I had to, I had it in a cast for four weeks and I was desperate to get back for round two of the, yeah. of the championship. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I think all of those little stories and things that happened to me when I was younger yeah. helped me and influenced me to deal with what I was dealing with at the time yeah i i slightly different i never broke any bones carting but the only thing i did when i was at school i chopped the end of my finger off on my left my <laughs> left hand did, mate. that yeah. doesn't surprise but, me but the weekend coming it was a rissington like a super one or something i really can't remember yeah. what it was and i arrived at the circuit and the steering wheel i always remember used to really really shake so the the the, the balancing of the tires was not done back in those days and i all i remember is i, I couldn't hold on to the steering wheel because i thought if i shook like it was like it like it was the end of my finger was going to fall <laughs> off so i actually did the weekend one-handed nice. from that point of view but showing off mate but, yeah well i'm sort of showing off i think i, only, I think i only finished third I think it was. <laughs> but, you, but that's where you're right it's these sort of difficult times that we go through that we use to when we have a really really sort of um mental tough time and but racing is something that we love and as you said before it's what we accept yeah as being part of it do one do one little thing about when we were in hospital itself because there is us going through what we're going through at that that particular time there's also the family yeah at, at, as well and i know my my parents uh, god bless your dad but i know he felt quite guilty that he'd put me into karting yeah that's thing then got me into that situation same that with that brands hatch really yeah unbelievable it's the same right. my my mum was the, definitely the strong one during my sort of period wow. in hospital I was in there for about five weeks yeah. uh, I remember I was lucky with the doctors I had for sure because the, my do- surgeon um, Tom he's an ex-military doctor and he yeah. basically was out in Afghanistan when it was all kicking off and had done like 38 amputations to soldiers and on, on the battlefield right. while in a day sort of thing like sure. he'd done that you know that's the level of his. damage that was going on out there yeah, in yeah. those times so in terms of the right person to be equipped for the Absolutely. job he was like the, yeah. the best that you could have asked for so i was very lucky in that sense that yeah. he was on his civilian duties wow. in the hospital when i came in to to have my surgeries and he was great at getting me have the right mental attitude to sort of overcome the accident telling me rather than telling me you know when i look down and i see i'm a double empty and i think oh is that my independence over like what does that mean for me because i was 17 at the time yeah so you a couple, couple of days before just 18, before 18th right? yeah. birthday yeah. so you're at that stage in your life where you know independence and you know becoming an adult that's like the phase of your life you're into you want want to do your own thing you know you've just started driving on the road you know you can go where you want do what you want to I'd a love to see extent. you on the dance floor <laughs> <laughs> I can still bust a shape I, too, yeah mate. you probably do better than I can I must admit but yes yeah yes. so it's, you're at that stage and um, he was great in telling me all the things that I would be able to do if I worked hard with my rehab and stuff rather than telling me all the stuff that I couldn't do anymore yeah. which I think is a good way of spinning it so all of a sudden I was thinking okay well let me get cracked on into rehab and I'll still be able to you know I'll be able to get up and walk again I'll be able to potentially you know still be able to do other sports be able to maybe get back to racing be able to do this that and the other so that set me in the right mindset and he also did the same thing for my mum basically said it's great Billy having all these people down but you, they can't go in there and like show signs of you know being like super super upset for him yeah, and yeah. stuff like that because however he said however 
you react and they react to the situation will determine how I reacted to it. So my mum would basically give everyone a pep talk before they came and see me <laughs> of, you know, make sure you smile, be positive, like to all my mates and stuff, because obviously they were pretty devastated and stuff like that. I remember one of my mates didn't quite hold up to the bill. He came in and he burst into tears in front of me and stuff <laughs> yes. like that. I was yeah. like, I was having to reassure him and give him a cut off. Well, what's going on here, yeah. mate? You're meant to yeah. be, you know, looking after me. I'm your pal and I'm here like, cuddling you as you're crying you don't yeah, sure. yeah but that's but that's <laughs> that just shows you know the emotion that's involved yeah not just you but everybody around you your friends and family and everything else but yeah it's trying and it's it's amazing that you're the one who actually you're putting your heart around them to say no it's it's okay yeah and i think as well for me mate it was you know it was it was really important to like i say to have my mum and everyone around me be being strong being supportive so yeah my mum definitely led the way my dad felt guilty at first and i had to you know have that conversation with him that you know i loved racing and that as much as you got me into it you know i wouldn't have been at the level i wasn't have done it for this long if it's not something that i wanted to do so i had to kind of reassure him that you know take a bit of ownership that you know it's dad's dads get their sons into lots of things but the fact that i've i'd been sticking at it since i was seven and i was turning 18 you know i wouldn't have done it for 11 years if i didn't enjoy it and love doing it so i think that was a, a moment where he kind of could sit there and go yeah you, you are right like as much as i got you into it i shouldn't feel guilty like we we've done this together for years because we love doing yeah. it yeah yeah well, mine was about 20 years later which i because i sort of wasn't quite aware of of that and i did it because my, my feet get quite sore so i was talking to my dad and i sort of said i think they get too painful i'll just chop them off and i'll put some sort of carbon fiber ones on there and he started crying yeah and that was the sign of where he felt guilty of putting myself in that position but i said dad it's okay i said we went through a lot i said i'm happy i'm still here we're talking together and i've had a good career so we can't you know get upset over this i understand why you are yeah but that's where i suppose where you were aware of it a bit earlier than i was yeah but it's how it affects them as well it's yeah that's one us. thing that mm. i would say about my accident that i'll never be able to recreate or experience for myself is those three days where i was in a coma you know fighting for my life i'll never be able to put myself in my family's shoes in that situation of yeah. you know understanding what that was like you know that was yeah. equally probably more tough for them than it was for me at the time like i say in my head it was a three-day snooze when i was in that induced <laughs> coma and i woke <laughs> up and okay i had to deal with a lot of stuff but you know i didn't have any any decision or any decision making ability in that matter it was done for me that was the outcome crack on with it but for my mum dad and my sister that had to hear that news of what was going the surgeons were going to do amputating me you know i'll never be able to put myself in their shoes during that so you know it's different for everyone around you as much as the accident it involved me involved everyone and it affected everyone differently but i'm glad to, to be in a situation now where we've all moved on from it and i'm cracking on with what i'm doing so are they yeah mentioned mum and dad about bonnie what do you want to say about her? She was very, very supportive. Yeah, she's a superstar bun. Yeah, she really looked after me, kept me positive at, in the in the crash. And it was nice, actually, if, you know, I think my accident, like I say, was in April 2017. I was back racing in 2018. This was on the calendar, Donington. So we, we got the opportunity to, to come back here. Uh, I got my first ever pole position since my accident. That was here. Cool. So, that qualifying session <laughs> you know how you know as racing drivers you want to get in the zone and i i don't know yeah. about you but i've had qualifying sessions where you know you f i feel i felt a bit disjointed from the car and it's not that sort yeah, of flow exactly hasn't quite mean. happened yeah, sure. i came here and for whatever reason it was the it was super peaceful in a weird kind of way like i just felt like everything was just easy working in tandem well. it felt easy, easy. it yeah. felt easy i didn't feel like i was fighting the car i felt like the car was giving me what i needed and i was able to get everything out of it and yeah absolutely yeah had a, a mega qualifying that like i said double pole position on my return here and did you then convert no ah oh, did not convert from pole absolutely yeah the first race i damn it was so it was dry and qualifying yeah race one was wet off the, the start with the hand clutch i struggled a little bit in those conditions so i dropped to second and then we went into the last hairpin here yeah. uh, on the first lap and i was chasing the leader down he broke i broke five meters later he locks up and went off and i followed him off even faster. <laughs> One of those. Okay. yeah well, okay. yeah shouldn't have outbraked him should have maybe <laughs> trusted my instincts rather than i'm going to just catch you up on the brakes here and he went off and i went off even further so i think i finished third that race and then the last race of the weekend i was on pole and 
finished second so again so just bad. just just missed out i was gutted mate yeah, i was I gutted bet, I, I bet after the race head in hand because <laughs> i was so fast that weekend i think i had like fastest lap in every race and it was just one of those weekends where i didn't quite get the job done when it counted but i was yeah you know you, you can't ask for everything no, you can't. it would can have been see, a fairy tale I can see it on your story, smile on your face but it's, it's still, still it's still that that's one yeah. one race where i'm like if i could have won anywhere i would have loved to make sure that that debut win was was back here yeah sure but the pole position that's special anyway isn't it from that point it is nice to come back here and be able to reflect on on that moment because it shaped a lot of my life it shaped you know the situation i'm in now with being a double amputee and all the all the amazing things that i've been able to do since my accident you know it's not all negatives it's you know it's just a a bump in the road but one that's led me to a lot of really cool things that i'm proud to have done well on the 22nd of november you won the special recognition at the uh, pride of sports awards and friday just gone uh, received the president's award at the faa prize giving in france and you met lewis hamilton again then didn't you yeah i saw lewis again there and that was yeah really good to catch up with him yeah he was a really nice guy going on track I have to say and have a discussion about uh, your crash but we're back in the in the paddock I suppose the one other thing to talk about Billy is obviously when we got back in the car after the accident I got I think I was five months yeah when I first drove again what about you how did it all sort of work out yeah so I, the first thing I did after my accident was it was about 11 weeks after my accident so bear in mind five of those were in hospital so maybe like just a month and a half after being at home I got offered the opportunity to go and drive a uh, funk up car with um, Team Brit down at Brantach and actually use that day to my advantage to get my race license back so uh, we went down there and then I learnt the car in the morning learnt the, the controls the setup they had which was interesting because you know they have a lot of ex-military guys a lot of amputees or people with different disabilities so that was all hand controls and stuff so that was my first experience of driving a car completely with hand controls um, so I went through that process in the afternoon got my license back which was you know positive meant that you know opened a few doorways for me and then the process of actually getting to the stage where I was driving a real proper racing car, single-seater, uh, that wouldn't have happened really for me without the, the help of Carlin. Carlin with a team that sort of took me under their wing. Uh, after my accident, the, I was obviously racing against it. It was a Carlin car that I crashed into. Yeah. Um, but my, t- my um, best mate from, from when I was younger, who was racing in F4 that year as well, he was racing for Carlin that season. So it all started of him saying when I was at home after my accident do you fancy coming down and you know looking around the factory and you know maybe checking out he had a sim session or something like that going down to the simulator so I was like yeah I was you know just doing my rehab stuff so I didn't have like a huge amount to do really apart from my own physical rehab so we popped down there got chatting to all the mechanics and engineers about you know I plan to go back to racing and stuff like that and we started coming up with a few solutions and I think the second time I went down to Carlin Factory they they ended up getting me on the simulator and that was with a completely bodged setup so it was a normal steering wheel a Jeep I think it was a GP3 steering wheel we had clutch paddles at the bottom which I turned one of them into a brake and then we had a shorter paddle which is for like the gears which I managed to somehow make work as a throttle on the simulator which is pretty much on and off (laughs) and I ended up hacking around on the simulator for hours on end while while he was up there you know doing his weekend preparation for the rest of the season that's so that's how we got introduced and next thing you know we were sat there sort of midway through july um july august sort of coming up with a proper set of adaptations that was going to allow me to drive taking apart prosthetics in their simulator room trying this trying that and yeah i think it was about eight months after my accident so in january that the next year i was driving a british f3 car that had been fully adapted by the carlin team together with myself and was back out on track so so adapting the car is one thing yeah when i got back in a car for the first time i had to adapt to my physical change to my to my feet which yeah. was in those days you had three three pedals you had to brake heel and toe heel blip and the toe. throttle when you change the gear so i had to find ways of being able to do that again because i couldn't do it in the same manner yeah. because my ankle didn't move so i found a way around that how did you adapt because it was a physical for me but it was also the mental side as well is actually working out what i needed to do how was it for you i think for me like you say most of my adaptations were you know they were 
um, changes to the, how I drive the car completely. So, like I say, my first experience with driving a car after my accident was driving with hand controls. And through that process and through a bit of time on a simulator, and we, we adapted it slowly but surely and changed a few things to give me as much feel as possible, I quite quickly realised I'm not going to be able to do brake, throttle, gears and steer a single-seater with, you know, no power steering, you know. That, yeah. you know, quite quickly going on over the bumps on the simulator, I was realising I had no feel for the brake and for the that the throttle was OK, but I couldn't do both. So... It was really a process of just trying things, a process of elimination, you know, picking different setups of which side did I want the throttle on, for example. That first day back at Brands Hatch, they put it on the left-hand side, which, you know, you think you use it normally in a race car, you'd use your right foot for throttle, so you think, oh, I'd put it on the right side. But it was quite a clever solution because most tracks are clockwise. So when you get into a corner, normally you're your free hand the hand on the top of the steering wheel is your left hand yeah so it's not underneath all cramped up in the cockpit you know hard to hard to modulate the throttle so that was again those little details like that was which is what decided for me to put the throttle on the left hand side of the steering wheel and then eventually getting to the stage where i'd built up enough strength for my leg and i was able to put pressure on it where i could try and push a brake pedal as hard as possible with my with my leg and quite quickly we realized we could get close with brake pressure we had to change a few things we adapted the brake pads so they were slightly grabbier brake pad material so that basically for the same amount of brake pressure i'd get more stopping force you know little details like that but you know that was all process of elimination it was basically a lot of long days and long nights spent at the factory you know getting a lot of pizza rounds in for the engineers and mechanics who their nine to five wasn't a nine to five anymore because my project was going on in the background keeping people in the factory till 8 p.m yeah you know but that was part of i look back on those days so fondly because you know without their commitment to helping me and without us all working together as a team, there's no way I would have been able to achieve what, what I did. No, you, t- you talked about the brake pressure. Now, yeah. when, when I got back in the car, because I still had my feet, you haven't got legs. Yeah. Give us a bit of a, if you can, a bit of an understanding of the feel. Because the feel, we, we both know, is so important yeah. when you've got normal feet, normal hands and everything else. The core's very important, yeah. the hips. And then, of course, I always say it's how you feel the pedals yeah. with the tips of your toes. Yeah. But, of course, you haven't got no, those no tips, tips of the toes over here. How did you adapt? How did you get the feel for that? For me, what did the, you have to change? the main thing was, you know, obviously, once I started hitting the brake pedal, my right leg, I still had my knee. So my right leg became my, the leg I was braking with. So, again, that was different because yep. normally it would be your left leg. So, you know, that kind of changed it all, all together. So having the knee Having the knee was, was super important, important for me, yeah, because it meant that I was still able to, you know, modulate the pedal. I was still able to, you know, control through a knee so how that feeling of the toes my leg was. has almost know. moved to your knee. Yeah, basically, yeah. my knee became the modulator as such because I would extend my knee really hard and lock out my leg to, you know, lengthen it and to push against the brake pedal. And then, obviously, the more bent my knee was, the more I would come off the brake pedal, yeah. you know, until eventually I was off it completely. So that became my modulator later that became my my sense of feel so it was then you know building up my leg muscles to get stronger and, and stuff like that but also just getting to the point where you know laps and laps and laps on the simulator i started to you know get an understanding of okay you know that's 10 percent 10 bar brake pressure that's 100 bar you know max to minimum say and then just getting used to that feel we used to do little carlin used to set up a little training exercise for me on a computer and they would set they'd give me brake shapes to try and match on a computer screen so I'd sit in the car I'd hit the brake pedal (laughs) and it would be say 80 bar and with a full curve off like you would normally do a brake shape and I would just sit there and try and match up the brake pressure to that so that visual under, visual learning of okay that that's the right brake shape for a hairpin that's the right brake shape for a chicane and then once I got on track it was just fine tuning it and just getting that feel back of just just from doing it so that's a feel obviously through your knee yeah but it's also the mental connecting connection my as well. brain to wow. that new way of doing and, and things how easy how, how difficult was that not easy the fine fine that? feel like you say it took time it did take time but actually the fundamentals of being able to be fairly competitive in a race car took a matter of laps i think by the end of my first test day i was within a 
few temps of the competitors around me. So it's like the brain still the had brain, that connection yeah. anyway. Yeah, it, and it was, you know, it was really surprising to me is that I would sometimes, you know, my teammates would jump on the sim before I got there or, you know, when I was after, after there and they would have a go themselves and the first few laps they'd be all over the place but within a matter of 10 laps they could understand the system to a level where they could, you know, be within a couple of seconds straight away after 10 laps so it's it is impressive what the brain and the body can do it can adapt a lot quicker than you think yeah final thoughts on this whole journey yeah i mean it's been it's been an interesting day coming back to donton park and sort of you know going through it all with you you know you've obviously got your own perspectives on my accident from you know coming to see me in hospital but also from how that relates to yours so yeah i think it's been nice I, i love coming back to this place don't get me wrong every time I come back here I want to be driving so you know that's the one thing we didn't do today so we'll have to make sure that we come back (laughs) here again that we're actually (laughs) behind the wheel ourselves and having some fun but yeah I mean the accident is definitely a huge part of my life it's something that you know I reflect on you know on a lot of occasions you know tough times that you know that have happened since since the accident and I use it for a a big source of strength because it it shaped the course of my life it's a huge moment for me being you know 17 year old when it happened and you know the lessons it taught me I think you know staying positive never giving up all of those sort of fundamental things you know overcoming adversity that you know you learn from those situations you know you don't that doesn't just happen overnight you have to be put yourself in a situation to experience adversity for yourself to actually you know know how to overcome it so it's taught me a lot of things so like i said i wouldn't wouldn't change my accident because it's it's got me to where i am now yeah and it's fascinating talking to you and it's been brilliant that you've you've opened up and told us everything about before during and after yeah it's been it's been brilliant yeah thanks for sharing it with me mate yeah it's really been enjoyed good it to, yeah, it's good been to good. see you yeah, yeah, yeah it's not all doom and gloom we've, no, had, it's we've not. had a lot of fun mate no, we've it's had not. a lot of fun as much as these crash episodes you know there's a serious nature to it yeah big time yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah um, sure. it's it's nice to be able to share those experiences and that's what brought us together that's how yeah. we met yeah it's 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 great stuff and it, I think it just proves that you have the right positive mindset you can overcome difficulty difficulties in your life how thankful I am for having that crash so I could have met you mate <laughs> It's the only negative bit of it, I suppose. <laughs> so, guys, just want to say a massive thank you for everyone who's listened this far. And it's been a real pleasure to be back at Donington Park here today with Johnny. Really enjoyed the day and been able to chat through this with you guys. And, uh, yeah, hope it's informed you guys and helped you a little bit with sharing my experience. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. And we'll see you guys next week for more of the Lift the Lid. Mm-hmm.